0: Hi, this is Steve Cole, and you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with Jay Gilbert and Michael Etchert, weekly music news for the new music business.
1: From Spin, the 10 great record stores in America. From
0: Billboard, Billie Eilish becomes a DJ as Amazon Music rethinks radio. From Rolling Stone, what could be music's next Spotify? And from Hypebot, how many creators are there and how do they make money? These stories, quite a bit more as Jay and I record on Father's Day. This is episode number 45 of the Your Morning Coffee Podcast.
2: Stand by for transmission. This is
0: London Coffee.
2: Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air.
0: Jay, happy Sunday! Happy Father's Day to you! Happy Father's Day, brother! Yeah, indeed, we both uh, we have pretty groovy kids. We yeah, both, we uh, sure do. In fact, that's really when we first met. That was kind of one of one of our. Yeah. Uh, sort of commonality uh, things was that we both had two daughters roughly the same age. Right. And, so, uh, and, and that they're was They're not many children anymore. They're not children. They are not children. They are grown adults, for crying out loud. And, so and, and, how and about
1: Steve Cole uh, doing the uh, intro there? That yeah. was pretty slick. Uh, Great Steve? sax player. Steve is a really great sax player. He's got a new album out called Smoke and Mirrors. Mm -hmm. And this was recorded over the pandemic. So, you know, it was done remotely. And so he got a lot of great musicians that maybe might have been busy um you know in, in another time <laughs> right yeah right so let me just read off a couple of these you know he got trumpeter trevor newman who you know plays with the eagles and jeff lorber uh guitarist uh burns schoenhart plays with Cher, bassist mark egan who plays with the uh the great pat metheny um and drummer brian dunn from holland oats but on one track is todd Zuckerman, who's one of my all-time favorite drummers he currently plays with sticks and he's ridiculously
0: talented yeah that guy's a great drummer yeah that's a a a a real a real tour de force of of talented people on that album so uh, yeah and, yeah, everybody's hanging around. And, you know, you can do this stuff remotely now, which is essentially how we do it. We trade files, and, and that's really how so many songs are recorded now. Yeah. Um, it's a, and we're going to talk a little bit more about recording technology, I think, later on. By the way, the chap that I get a chance to talk to every Sunday... Uh, before these episodes come out on Monday, is Jay Gilbert. He's the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which, of course, is weekly music news for the new music business, and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, Warner Music, and Fox Home, Inter- Fox Home Entertainment, and a dad. Yes, sir. And Mike is a longtime host of
1: Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music. Yes, indeed, and we, let's let's thank the folks that bring us to the party, Jay. Yeah, you know we are so thankful that we have such great sponsors. You know, um, our first one is uh, Hypebot from 2004. Hypebot has chronicled the new music business and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. Edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis, Hypebot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by Live Music Discovery and
0: Marketing Platform. Bands in Town. Yep, Bands in Town. Over 55 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 530,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Yes, I said it tour dates let me yeah. say that again jay yeah tour dates i went I'm to getting my first tickets to a couple
1: of shows it's, oh yeah it's what are you gonna see to come i'm gonna go see uh, toad the wet sprocket is playing in ah. malibu oh and, really yeah and i dig those guys a lot yeah um, going to see rick springfield and richard marks mm. i believe that's in modesto okay um and also uh two other ones that are coming up the accidentals and I yeah, haven't picked I the saw, uh, the they got actual dates. place. Yeah, they've uh-huh. got 29 dates Wow. up, and uh, Kiss is back out on the road, and uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go see my friends with the uh, Kiss Camp.
0: Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, it's fun to see just every day. I, I, you know, I, I look at various venues like, ooh, added more dates, added more dates, added more dates. And I went to a at my first party last night. A get together with uh, for a graduation party for a, for a. For a uh, the child of one of uh, friends of ours, and um, it was great to be out. It yeah. was just great to be out. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is it. This is what it used to be. Yeah. By the way, last week I spoke about the, the a great um, documentary that's on Apple Plus called "1971: yeah. The Year Music." Cha- I think it's the year music changed everything. I am revising that review to great to must 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 see. Wow, Man, it's fantastic. I'm, Coming from I think, you, that's five, that's high praise. It is so great, wow. and it's just it's what's really great about it is it's just it's they really weave in the music with what was going on socially and politically, and um, you know we're probably. A fair bit older than many of our listeners, and so I was alive in 1971, and I remember some of these things. <laughs> I was alive, but um, but you know, That's it's funny. interesting. It's it's interesting to to kind of see the the stuff that I was a kid, you know, and I didn't I didn't yeah. know the backstory, and but yeah. it's also just if you weren't even alive then, it's fascinating to see what was going on at the time. So highly, 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 highly recommended. Wow, there wow. I praise. said it, Jay. You did. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, let's, <clears throat> I love the first one. Yeah, from the Spin. Ten, yeah, from Spin. The 10 Great Record Stores in America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you you started in, in retail in, yeah, at I record did. stores. I did. I worked at an indie, and
1: then I worked at Tower. I worked at mm-hmm. Rising Sun Records in Salem, Oregon, where I graduated from high school. Uh, from around 1980 or so to 85, um, and I worked for tower records in Portland, Oregon. There were two stores in the Portland area. One was in Beaverton and one was in, in, uh, in Portland proper. Mm-hmm. And I worked there from like 85 to 89 greatest experience. It was so much fun. Uh, yeah. so much great music. We were doing in stores and we were doing foam core displays and I was a singles buyer and it was just a lot of fun and a lot of great people. Um, if you ever saw the movie High Fidelity, it was a lot like that. And if that. you have it, you shouldn't be
0: listening to this show. Watch it today.
1: <laughs> and that was how it was. We had a really cranky yes. classical buyer who was right. very judgmental. Um, we, we just had the best time. And I still uh, uh, have friendships with those people to this day. But... I loved working at rising sun records that indie, uh, I learned mm-hmm. so much about the different genres and that was at a time when it was still vinyl. Uh, yeah. We were selling a lot of vinyl then and, and Absolutely. some cassettes. And then later mm-hmm. on the, I was working there when CDs started, I think it was like an 83 or so. So I, I put together a little list of, now these are my, my, like my top five record stores that I try to get to, and support during the pandemic but there's so many other great record stores and i you and i talk about record store day all the time and we encourage people to get out to record store day but when i was in high school in salem oregon we would also drive to seattle um where uh, mm-hmm. i grew up in the seattle area because in just like a two mile radius they had um peaches tower Um, second time around cellophane square. I mean, there was like a half dozen amazing record stores and we would just save up our money. And once a month or so, my friends and I would drive up there and go record shopping and then come back with a haul. And it was one of the greatest (laughs) things ever. So, uh, hats off to the Seattle record stores, but here, here are my top five in no particular order. Um, I love, and these are current ones, of course, I love Mm -hmm. easy street in, yep. uh, in Seattle, West Seattle. Yep. Um, Matt Vaughn's done a great job with that, that place. And I, every time I go to Seattle, I have to go to easy street, um, music millennium, yep. uh, Terry courier uh, in Portland, Classic. Oregon. Yep. Uh, I have, I grew up with music millennium. I think I interviewed with, uh, Terry. I think I was still a teenager when I, when I first interviewed uh-huh. with him, maybe a little bit older, but, um, I didn't get the gig but I did get the job at tower that week and then wow. Terry and I saw each other at industry events for years and years and we're, we're still friends. And you know, he's, I thought I was the only one with good taste in music. <laughs> Turns you, out there's somebody else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then really quickly, uh, fingerprints, mm-hmm. uh, I love out of uh, long beach and then one that's uh, kind of close to me, um, CD Trader in uh, Tarzana always okay. has some oh, yeah, really, yeah. really great stuff.
0: Yeah, I was just at my favorite record store, uh, Salzer's, which is in Ventura, north mm. of Los Angeles. Um, and I've been going to Salzer's since I was a little kid. And I was literally there. Yeah. He's been there, he's been at the same location since 1972, and it's named after the the founder who just passed away last year, unfortunately, oh. a guy named Jim Salzer, and Jim was actually a concert promoter up in Santa Barbara, and one of the great things about Salzer's is you go in, and he's got posters on the wall of concerts he promoted, one of which, August 1st, 1969, at the Earl Warren Showground in Santa Barbara. Uh, Jethro Tull opening for Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah, wow. so it's, so, but he had, it's rare that you have, I mean, my kids go to that store now and I've been going there since, since, since the beginning and my buddy and also in Ventura, uh, Grady's Record uh, Refuge, which is a really really cool vinyl only store. But you know what I also wanted Ooh. to mention is it's depending how old you are, it's 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 amazing how in in the let's say in the 1970s you could go into lots of stores that you wouldn't think would carry records, but they carried records in those days. I remember buying there's a uh, the Rolling Stones had a record called Through the Past Darkly that was an octagon. It looked like a stop sign. Yep. It was it was as they were getting out of their EMI deal. It was uh, kind of a Greatest hits package that was put together and I bought it at the Broadway, which is now Macy's um, a clothing store and at the very top they had records and yeah, that's right. You, you would go into and hardware stores had records. JC
1: Penny things. was the one where I grew up I would yes. go peruse the albums in right. J.C. Penny that's right but right. I was really fortunate because my grandfather had a barbershop mm-hmm. and right next door to the barbershop was this place that repaired uh, jukeboxes.
0: Oh. And so
1: they would always sell the used records yes. really inexpensively. Right. And I remember one time going over there, I think it was like three for a dollar. I got, uh, I feel the earth move. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, uh, gypsies, tramps and thieves,
0: <laughs> <By> share, <laughs> share. That's um, right.
1: Uh, gosh, And there was one other one I'm trying to remember, but I would just go over there and buy those 45s, and they were a little banged up, but I got them
0: really cheap. Well, and and I remember as soon as I got my driver's license, I would drive into Los Angeles, and I'd go to Moby Disc, and I, I remember my cousin and I going in there, and there were they were you would see these albums because I remember him telling me he went there first, and he said, "Yeah, you go in there, and and the albums are really cheap, but they have like the corner cut. And I'm like, <laughs> and a little hole in them. Yeah. I'm like." Really? Why would they do that? He's like, I don't know, but they're really cheap. Now those of course were cutouts. Uh but that was a that was my first awakening to purchasing cutouts, and it's yeah. like, oh, and now I know what they were, of course. Once well, you work for in those the business? don't know, talk a little bit about what a cutout is. <laughs> well, it is it is a, well, what you need to know if you're an artist is you don't get paid on cutouts, um, and they are all, when they want to just get rid of a ton of records, if they have a bunch of stock left, whether it didn't sell very well, or they pressed too many, or just whatever, right. they basically cut the corner, or they put a little hole in them. They did that to, for CDs uh, for a while, and they would drill a drill hole it. in CDs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But that's what they did with vinyl records, and they offered them for, you know, pennies on the dollar to retailers or yeah. distributors or one stops, and yeah. then they ended up at at you know whatever retail place you were going to. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, what a business, and one stops completely gone now. But. That was where, like, if you had a hardware store and you wanted to carry records, you would go to your local one stop, and and they were kind of an intermediary between the major labels and independent so- stores. And yeah, uh, uh, one stops are still around. There's are they? Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah, they were kind absolutely. of gone.
1: No, like Alliance and
0: uh, oh, is is Alliance considered a one stop? I thought yeah, they were kind they, of more. They,
1: they've you know feed the mom and pops, you know, some of the Indies and also some places that aren't primarily music places like borders, places like that. So as I read through this article, it made me want to visit every single one of these. And again, (laughs) these are, these are 10 great record stores. There's a thousand more, um, you know, the first one, reckless records, of course, I've heard of, but I've never visited that that's Mm -hmm. in Chicago. But the one that really hit home to me and I mentioned it a moment ago was music millennium in Portland, Oregon, um, which you know, I've been visiting uh, since I could uh, drive, yes. and it's just one of the very best, and they've had so many great artists do in-stores there. Um, uh, Terry Courier is just one of the best guys on the planet, and I highly encourage you, if you're in that area, to yeah. visit. Um, were there any of these here... That you had been to. I, I yes. mean, I've been to Electric Fetus in Minneapolis. I have too, because yep. I go out there a lot. That's a pretty cool store.
0: It is absolutely. I've been to, B- and of course, Amoeba's on the list in Hollywood. Uh, and they're, and they have a new location. Oh my gosh! I've not,
1: I've not been to the new location. I haven't yet. been to the new location yeah. either. But I've been to Amoeba, you know, hundreds of times, and uh, yeah, it's just such an amazing uh, place. You can just get lost in there.
0: Yeah, I, have, I was not familiar with uh, Long in the Tooth in Philadelphia, which is Me on neither. this list. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, and not even Vinyl Tap in now, Nashville. Now, wait a second. This is
1: weird because I know people in Nashville that I asked about Vinyl Tap and they'd never heard of it. Oh, so, interesting. Okay, I'm sure that it's a great shop, but I hadn't been there um I talked to Glenn Peoples the other day. He used to live in Nashville. He'd never heard of it. Oh, So interesting. maybe they okay. changed their name, or maybe it's just this cool, hip uh, place that we just haven't visited yet.
0: And I popped in Dearborn Music in Detroit uh, oh, a long time ago when I was there. Yeah, Looks I don't big. Really remember. It looks huge. Been there since 1956, so they're they've got that they've got the hang of it, I think. And then Grand Avenue Records in Phoenix, uh, not familiar with them at all. And I I think I've been to Waterloo in, in Austin yeah, as well. I've been to Waterloo. We yeah. had some
1: meetings there uh, in Austin one time, and I remember going to Waterloo, and I think I had a T-shirt or something. But um, I, I just love record stores. I like the smell of them. I like oh you know yeah. going through the bins and seeing what you find and. Um, and I think
0: I've shared this on, yeah. on the, on the store, uh, on this show before. Um, and I have a, a, just a super clear memory. In, in, when I was in third grade, we moved to Sacramento for a year. Of course, the headquarters of Tower Records. Great. And I remember, so this is 1969. I remember going into a t- the, a Tower Records in Sacramento, of course, mm-hmm. where they were headquartered. And, you know, as a, as a little kid, it's like all of a sudden, the light bulb went on and you're like, okay, I get it. I love music, and this is where people who love music go. And there's lots of freaks here, and I really like that. And Uh, music was blasting. You just hit it. It's community. It's community. It's like okay, these are my people. Yes. Totally. Totally. This is my tribe. Yes. And you know, I had never seen my tribe before. Yeah. But you, and that's what record stores bring. And it's like you said. Yeah, I still. You just when you walk in, it's so familiar and. And of course, again, we've talked about the the uh, all things must pass Tower Records documentary, a must watch if you haven't seen it. Oh, um, absolutely! And, I'm and so I still so s- so mourn glad. the loss. Yeah, you know? you know, one of the first experiences
1: I had with a, a record store was my brother Jeff worked at Tower Records Mercer in Seattle, mm-hmm. and for my birthday one day, you know, he invited me down to the store and said, "You can pick out anything you want, like one thing, right? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine?" Being you know like yeah. a teenager walking in there and just the poster section was overwhelming. But yeah. looking through all the vinyl and cassettes, they didn't have CDs then. But and they were remember it was stack it high, watch it fly kind of thing. There were just yeah. stacks and stacks yeah. everywhere. I was uh, just
0: stunned, and it's like literally a kid in a candy store. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah that that whole Tower Records thing where where there's just so overwhelming in uh, all in many record stores, but when you get it like and I remember going to my first tower, the one in west hollywood and and then and just down the street was the first guitar center, and so I, that was kind of a, a mm. thing I would go to tower first and then guitar center and ah, like you said, the smell easily easily uh just easily recognizable the second yeah record.
1: right and you know i'm I'm from the Seattle area originally, and so I certainly know they list sonic boom uh, yep. records here, and I've definitely been there many times. You know, I mentioned Easy Street, um, but Sonic Boom is a really, really great place. The reason I went to Easy Street so much is it was near my family's, you know, where they live. So it was closer over there in West Seattle on California Avenue. But uh, hats off to Sonic Boom Records in Seattle. What a... What a fun piece. I mean, you could probably list hundreds of really great record stores. But again, this is from uh, Jolie Lash, wrote this for Spin Magazine.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Fun, fun to always remember kind of those days and still those days, what's going on in that world. So uh, was glad they're still around. So yeah, me too. Around. All right. Uh, uh, next up is the uh, article in Billboard: Billie Eilish becomes a DJ as Amazon Music rethinks radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me pull that article up. I'll let you start. Yeah, it's a, it's really interesting. It was written by Micah Singleton
1: for Billboard. Yep. And this launched last week. And there's a big announcement about DJ mode. And it's only on the mobile app. I tried it on the desktop and it didn't work. And then I later read this article, which says it's only for mobile right now. So this DJ mode will allow users to access on demand personalized versions of three of Amazon's most popular existing radio stations, rap rotation, country heat, and all hits all of which are derived uh from playlists of the same name but this is radio it's a little bit different right they're feeding it to you um these new dj mode stations will feature dj hosts You know, with recorded audio commentary from artists, you know, like Billie Eilish, speaking about their own music and the music that influenced them, song selection and sequencing are personalized for every user based on their listening habits. Holy
0: cow. Yeah. And then listeners will also be able to pause, rewind, skip, and go back on songs. And the uh, commentary includes as well as thumb up and thumb down tracks, combining the feeling of traditional radio with the convenience of streaming. And uh, Billie Eilish is the first artist to lead a DJ mode station called the Billie Eilish Takeover. It's a limited time station that will feature stories and commentary from Eilish about her musical influences, as you mentioned, and the creation of her upcoming sophomore album, Happier Than Ever. So, uh, yeah, good for her. Good for yeah. them. Yeah. It's and really I, cool. I love hearing how the sausage is made.
1: I love yeah. having an artist do a track by track interview. And I don't know why those, those aren't more prevalent today. I love Pandora. They do Pandora stories, which is basically mm-hmm. a track by track. Yeah, This is this song. This is how it came about. It's, it's really interesting to me. And I think a lot of other people to hear how that is put together, how, how these songs come together, what they mean, and maybe a story behind it. So, you know, Amazon continues to innovate. Um, I, I love, you know, all the smart speaker things that they're doing, you know, um, it says here that Amazon has been launching a flurry of new innovations, right? So they want to, um, distinguish themselves from the pack of music streaming services. So right. they've added live streaming from Twitch, which you and I talk about a lot. Twitch is a big deal. Yep. Check it out. Um, in app, uh, merch,
0: uh, sales, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, a lot of podcasts and we like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and listen, it's, it's a competitive marketplace, and as it should be. And this is how innovation happens when when it's a competitive marketplace. So I applaud yeah. and well, you got to you differentiate know, yourself, right, Mike? Yeah. I mean,
1: everybody kind of has the same, you know, seventy million or so tracks. So right. why would you subscribe to Amazon Music over Pandora over Apple Music, whatever they? I love that they're innovating, um, and they're differentiating, um, an LA based radio, uh, person this DJ. Letty will hope, uh, hope will host <laughs> rap rotation radio in DJ mode country heat in DJ mode will be hosted by, uh, Emmy winner and radio personality, Kelly Sutton and Amazon music's senior curator for pop children and holiday, uh, is Karen wild and she'll host, uh, all hits
0: in DJ mode. Super yeah. cool, man. Interesting, yeah. Very interesting. So, gotta check that out. And again, another. And many of us have Apple. At least, I think I speak for many people. Uh, you have Apple Music, but don't necessarily use it because it comes with the Amazon Prime subscription. So, uh, it's probably there already. You said me. Apple Music. Did you mean Amazon Music? I'm sorry. I meant It's yeah, another A word. I meant Amazon. <laughs> I Music. I thought you did. Yes, with you with your Amazon Prime uh, subscription. So, see, I've been it's, up for like. Four hours. You've been up for like four minutes. Four minutes. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So I, I can't be trusted with, with words at this point <laughs> at, all. at well, no, all. I got your back, brother. It's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah yes, so check exactly. out DJ Mode. Uh, really super cool. Uh, Amazon Music. Dig them. Oh. I know what I was going to say. Oh. Uh, something came to me before I started mispronouncing words. Um, uh, speaking of the creation of songs, I think we mentioned last week, there is a podcast called Song Exploder. Oh, I, oh, I love they talk it. A, yeah. and, yep. and then away. Yep. And then there's now uh, on on uh, Netflix, I think, there's a Song Exploder series. Oh, I knew it was coming. I didn't know it was out yet. Yes, it's out. And oh, I, I can't there wait is, to check that oh, out. Oh, it's great. There's a Dua Lipa oh, the one. There is a Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Do a, do a lipa a Lipo I'm mispronouncing her name too at this hour that's all right. Um, and then there's one with killers um, those are the only two I've seen and it's the it very not very kind of similar to the, that that series, that a British series actually, called the Classic Album Series, where they go in and really talk about how the album was yeah. made, and the producers and the engineers sit around and talk about it. It's similar, but a li- little slicker, actually. Oh, I but, can't wait to see that, because oh, I love good. the podcast, because yes. I mean, he, he Rishi
1: Keshiwari, who does it, um, was also a co-host of the West Wing Weekly, which, you know, I love the West Wing, and I listen to every episode of that podcast. Anyway, but Song Exploder is so cool. If you like how the sausage is made yes i mean yes, yes. they my favorite one was rivers cuomo from weezer mm-hmm. the way that he writes songs i don't want to spoil it but no one writes songs the way that he does and oh interesting okay it's just, I and, seen, and i mean the process out. in which he uh puts them all together uh but there's so many great shows but yeah song exploder and now you're saying that there's a
0: the tv version is like on oh. netflix i think it's on netflix yeah i think that's i'll what check that out yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, moving on, Jay. Yes. Uh, this out of Rolling Stone. What could be music's next Spotify? And um, oh, whoops, wrong. I got the wrong article. Up, Jay. Well, while it's you're just...
1: while you're digging that up, this this story appears in Rolling Stone's new issue, the 2021 Future of Music issue. Yes, which, which I got. And it is phenomenal. It's—I know I use that word too much—but it's it's really good. So check out the Rolling Stones' new 2021 Future of Music issue. This particular piece uh, was written by Ethan Milman, and it goes through just a, a handful of some of these companies uh, that they talk about. Um, They're says, the five it, brightest music
0: companies to watch yes. in 2021 and beyond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and know, it wh- starts with splice, uh, which is interesting. You know, again, we're talking about kind of the technology of of making, of, of recording and making songs and things like that, and all the different ways that artists create stuff. And I, yes. I remember when I first went to, um, when I first worked at Warner Brothers Records, actually, and I was just a, I was an executive assistant, somebody, one of the product managers there, and he he we were talking about the Cult one day, and he said if you heard the Cult demos. You'd be appalled," he said. "They're so rudimentary and so basic, and um, and then you know, and and that's very like you mentioned. The way artists create stuff is very interesting and very different, and sometimes it, very rudimentary. And um, you know, it's like kind of like building blocks and putting mm-hmm. stuff together and kind of throwing words out. And it's really interesting to see how stuff is created. Yeah, but and now supplies, with this technology, right, you yes. can create. Uh, remotely,
1: you can create super high quality right. recordings. To your point, you know, there's also bands on the other side of that spectrum. Like you and I used to work with Albie gluten. Yes, Albi produced Jellyfish, so Albie gave me the demos, or maybe I gave them to him. Anyway, <laughs> I helped put together that box set. Anyway, yes. I have the demos uh, from Jellyfish, and they sound
0: amazing. Almost, I mean, s- yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: right. The arrangements are slightly different. Um, by the time it got on the CDs,
0: but they were buttoned up. I mean, right. And there are some bands that are like that. That's right. Yeah. They, they, the demos sound very, very, very similar, but if you have, if go ahead, you, I was going to say
1: say one last thing really quickly. We have a saying, my business partner, Jeff and I have the saying demo love. And what happens to us is we get early demos and have for 25 years on artists and we listen to those demos over and over again and then
0: sometimes we're disappointed with the album because we've fallen in love with the demos. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 sometimes you can't you know, you, you, you also hear about artists that in the end, much of the demo ends up on the original on, on the released track because they could just never capture the magic in a similar fashion. So, yeah, very interesting. But Splice, I I I've heard of Splice. I wasn't really that familiar with them. they are an 8-year-old creative platform. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It doesn't hurt when you have raised approximately 165 million dollars to date nope. from Goldman Sachs, uh, but um, it's basically it, it's a it, they have thousands or actually they have hundreds of thousands of royalty-free samples that can form the backbone of new songs. It's a it's a easy-to-use production tool for musicians. Right, um, and you know, again, we we've we've talked a number of times about how. Um, the tool, you know, when we were growing up and playing music, yeah, you know, it was several hundred dollars an hour to go into a recording studio, or then you had like a yeah. little cra- crappy cassette, you know, multi-track cassette recorders that never sounded great. They were okay and for demos, yeah, Those but they Tascan just no oh, four tracks. Yep, exactly. Everybody had everybody had them, and then <clears throat> the A Adat came out, which was a big step up, but. The tools now are just so dramatically amazing, and this is another thing, but you know that that is a great tool for musicians. Absolutely, and all of these platforms, <clears throat> you can go from recording to releasing. You know, boom, and it's out. And yeah, and their business has
1: really taken off during the pandemic because people are recording at home more and and doing these things more. And wh- what I loved about this particular piece is um, their CEO, Steve Martochi, I think I'm butchering that but um he said when we first started people were like there's no effing way i'm giving you my samples why would i give you give my secret sauce out and then he says there's so much you can learn from how much programmers share so if you're recording at home um producing engineering whatever splice is an amazing resource
0: yeah absolutely so they also talk about epidemic sound yeah that's the name of the company i have not either it says, there have been uh, there have been so many video creators on the internet, and most of them are eager to pair their videos with hit tunes, unaware that licensing music is often a costly <laughs> ordeal. Hmm. That is the understatement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, enter, enter Epidemic, a royalty-free music platform whose mission is to soundtrack the internet. For a monthly subscription, Epidemic offers 35,000 high-quality tracks for creators to use however they please, along with nearly three times that number of sound effects. It has courted major investors such as Blackstone, the firm behind Bumble and Ancestry.com, and raised 450 million dollars in its latest funding round, I mean securing a dizzy unicorn valuation of 1.4 billion dollars. But this really answers a lot, it, it, or it, it's another thing, another tool for for content creators, yeah. um, and I. It, it's, I tip my hat to it. It's one of those things that's like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: The next one is United Masters. Yeah. And they're another one of those, um, some people call them uh, DIY distributors or aggregators. Um, but what they're saying here is that it stands apart from those because it helps artists participate in advertising and brand partnerships with the likes of iHeartRadio and the NBA while letting them keep ownership of their masters, hence the name. Well, mm-hmm. All of those, you know, CD Baby, Distrokid, Stem, you know, all of those do that. Um, I haven't had any releases through United Masters, but I've I've heard good things. The only small typo here is they say that now sixty thousand tracks are uploaded to Spotify every day, most of them by unsigned artists. That number is closer to seventy thousand. And (laughs) as we, I think, reported last week or the week before, you know, like. And the high 30s, almost 40% of those are coming like through DistroKid, which does a lot of the DIY yeah, indie stuff. Right. But they can be forgiven for the typo because it's changing so yeah, quickly. Yeah, it's changed <laughs> while we've been on this uh, conversation. It's on the call. Yeah. <laughs> the, so let's talk about podcast. Roblox uh, yeah. a little bit, which we have. And we've been shouting from the rooftops um, about Roblox. Um, Lil Nas X you know, had a virtual concert drawing 33 million unique viewers. Thirty three million. Warner Music Group was one of the first investors um, in in a recent five hundred and twenty million dollar funding round that values Roblox. Get this at thirty billion dollars. Now, if you don't know about Roblox, it's this fun little platform for kids to, you know, virtual world gaming. You know, you can create your own games and things. And it's it's really
0: popular uh, with the young ones with the young ones been around for a long time actually uh i think that it started in 2006 um but ne- the, the two founders were not they didn't really care that much about press coverage so if if you if you didn't know about them in the in the in the early 2010s you could be forgiven but um they've been around for a long time but of course they are uh, incredibly valued at the moment and while it is games it's it's a, a the music industry is jumping in. Yeah, and as they say, way. they want to combine gaming, social media, and entertainment for a jumbo cultural product. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, like it's that marriage of gaming and music. Yeah, I would add uh, Twitch to that list. I know yes, we sound like yes, a broken
1: record, but uh, Twitch is, it's a thing. And it's this, and um, you know what we we're just talking about with Roblox. These are kind of alternative things, but they have a large audience—a large audience that loves music. And if you're looking to reach your audience, you you need to
0: be on those platforms because your audience is there. Yes. They are on those platforms without a doubt. And then uh, community, um, community, yeah. So and they've cool. only been around for a couple of years, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll let you take it because you're well, a little bit more community, familiar. With
1: than community is super cool. Um, for those that don't know, it's really about getting artists involved in... Texting uh, their fans mm-hmm. and celebrities who've used, used community include you know Paul McCartney, Post Malone, Diddy, Jennifer Lopez, and even former President Barack Obama. And they state in this piece, you know, unfortunately, Obama has yet to drop a song via text to fans. So you know, but it's only been a minute. But it's really another. You know, we talk about OnlyFans and Thrills UK, and you know, all of these different platforms, Patreon, and. Um, cameo, it's just another one of those great platforms to really um, speak to and engage with your fans directly, yeah, yeah.
0: And again, and we've kind of talked about this as well. It, it, this was in Rolling Stone, yep, uh, Ethan Millman. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what and when it happened or it started happening, but Rolling Stone has really. It's almost kind of a, a a a hybrid magazine now. It's almost kind of an industry magazine in addition to, you know, what, what it's yeah. been doing for years and years and years. And so they've really been covering a lot of great music technology topics and and issues yeah. and. They've really stepped up their game. And yeah, it's, it's, I, it's a must-read publication now.
1: Yeah, I think it's been in the last about two years, because I've been using articles from Rolling Stone for the seven years I've been doing Your Morning Coffee, Okay, the newsletter. And I've noticed in the last couple of years, things have really changed and ramped up. And to your point, they're more like, um, not just for fans, but they're for the industry as well. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a cross between billboard and spin. And I love their articles. Uh, Ethan Millman who wrote this is fantastic. Amy Wang. We talk about her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, her, her stories, her pieces, her research, uh, a lot, just a level world-class stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a must read, and and I think because of you suggested, I'm now an Apple. What is it Apple, Apple News. News, Plus? News Plus. Yes. Yes, News Plus. <laughs> Can't remember the exact titles. Yes. <laughs> um, and I get Rolling Stone through that. Yes. And and it's you know so if you haven't if you don't know about Apple News Plus it is it is basically kind of a a subscription service. It's ten bucks a month, yes. but they give you just a ton of magazines that you get for that. And Rolling Stone's one of them. Yes. And and, and the LA Times. And Billboard and the LA Times is in there. Yes, a lot of great music production magazines and and Mojo magazine is in there. One of my all time favorite magazines. Yeah. So if you are if you are, are so um, interested, check it out. It is out the
1: best. They bought a, great a company, deal. Um, I believe I could be wrong here. Don't hold me to they this. They being but, Apple. I thought Apple bought. I believe the company was called Mosaic, and for years I subscribed to Mosaic because it did what you just described. Yeah, but. Apple bought it. It's called Apple news plus. Now it has all of my favorite magazines and I'm just a magazine freak. You know, Me too. Um, I love going into a, a a borders and getting Q and Mojo and you know, all that stuff. And they have a lot of that, including these British magazines that I just mentioned. Also like classic rock and some of those. Apple news plus I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, this next piece I found really interesting, but before we get into it, it's the headline is how many creators are there and how do they make money? Um, and this was written by, um, one of our sponsors and yeah. I, I bring that up because it's so uh, well written and it's such a great piece it was written by Bruce Houghton who's the founder and editor of Hypebot as we talk about all the time mm-hmm. he's a senior advisor to bands in town another sponsor of ours he's also we don't talk about this too much but he's also the founder and president of Skyline Artist Agency right and a professor at the Berklee College of Music online so and when does he sleep I don't know I have no idea but yeah. we've had him on you know the Music Biz Weekly podcast uh, many times um, he's just a really great guy and a supporter of your morning coffee
0: so we appreciate it and, you, and, and 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 lean on them for lots of great articles Absolutely. and information and studies yeah. and- but it, it's it, what I found really interesting, basically, is, you know, you you always wonder, well, how many people are out there doing this? Yeah. And, and this kind of answers that. And they basically say, according to a, a, a new study by venture capital firm Signal Fire, mm-hmm. about two million people make a living as, in quotation marks, content creators. Uh, and as they say, not all musicians think of themselves as content creators. But just like everyone who posts regularly on social media in hopes of eventually making money, they certainly are. And there is a lot of competition. So th- this is a, a really a fairly sweeping look at the content creator ecosystem. Yeah. And, they, and they identified 2 million full-time, but then, not surprisingly, 46, almost 47 million part-time creators. Wow. That's how we, we get 60, 70,000 tracks a day being added to Spotify. That's right. Um, yeah, and so the, the 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 2 million number these are professional individual Creators mm-hmm. making content full time. So on YouTube, uh, of YouTube, of the 31 uh, million channels on YouTube, about a million creators have over 10,000 subscribers. That's the that's an interesting thing. And of course, 10,000 is the magic number. That's for, the
1: milestone. Yeah,
0: that's the milestone. The exactly. And, and if you're in the Southern California area, if I if I'm not mistaken, because uh, YouTube has a big uh, creator facility, space. Uh, creator space at the they old. Oh, did they close? Yeah, we did a piece well, makes... of
1: coffee a while back. I don't know if they're going to reopen them ever, but they had, I think, a dozen creator spaces across the yes, globe. Yes, they did. Right. And I got trained at the creator space in Los Angeles. It was at where Howard Hughes it's, used to have it's his... It's the old Hughes yes, Aircraft building. They have yeah. a helicopter right out front, still, <laughs> like sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been there many times. But, Events, but that was their
0: number. You could use that 10, as, as a, if minimum. you had 10,000. right. Exactly That's right. 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 Uh, this is interesting. On Instagram, of the 1 billion accounts on Instagram, about 500,000 have over 100,000 followers and are considered active influencers. Yes. So that's interesting as well. Twitch. We talked about Twitch. Of the 3 million streamers on Twitch, about 300,000 have either partner or affiliate status. Okay, yeah. That's that, a big that, deal. Yeah, absolutely. In Twitch, Yes, that's that's that, 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 yes, exactly. a big deal. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then it says others including musicians, podcasters, writers, illustrators, about 200,000. So that's how they get to that 2 million. And you know, you f- you forget and and I know you you talk to college students and I talk to high school yes. students a lot and and parents and it's like, you know, how do you make money in the arts? Well, that's how you do it basically. People so are doing people it. People make it, making money as content creators in a way that was not Even possible when we were growing up. No. And you look at the chart that they, they, everything
1: that you just laid out, they have a really beautiful chart here. And what jumps out at me when I look at that chart is when you look at the 2 million that are making their, you know, they're called the professional creators, Mm -hmm. half of them are YouTube. It just right down the line, half. But you look at what's left of that the, the number one of course is Instagram, but number mm-hmm. two is Twitch. Remember we yeah. keep talking about Twitch. That's, right. That's number two. And then other is, is the remainder. So you can, um, monetize whether you're a professional or an amateur. And there's so many different ways to do that. And one of the things they talk about here, there's a section called how do creators earn money? And again, this is a, according to signal fire. Um, Advertising revenue shares, of course, you know, YouTube uh, jumps out at me. Sponsored content, product placement, tipping, which is. Gaining ground here in the United States, but as we've talked about before, is bigger in other parts of the world like Tencent in, Ch- in China. China yeah. yeah, it's like two thirds of the revenue comes from tipping experiences, other things other than streaming. Um, paid subscriptions. So I'm thinking, you know, Twitch, I'm thinking Patreon, um, and some of those other things. Digital content sales, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Merch, which is huge. Shout outs. That's, you know, go figure live and virtual events, VIP meetups and then fan clubs. So this is again, I know we were, we don't say this every week, but this is one of those articles that Bruce put together that I think you need to, print and keep maybe in your binder of those saved articles, because this is the new music business. This is the future of how you're not going to make a ton of revenue through streaming. And you know me, I'm not one of those guys that bashes streaming, Um, but a stream isn't worth a download. A download isn't worth a CD. So if you're, if you're getting a ballpark figure, let's say four or $5,000 for every million streams, you know, it your livelihood can't be based on streaming, downloading's you know such a rounding error now. Physical sales will come back when the merch tables, you know, in these live dates we talked about. But this,
0: in this article, this is how you're going to make revenue. Right. Well, and and uh, you know, musicians don't want their, their they want to be they don't want their music to be thought of as content, but it is. And yes, <laughs> you are you are a musician, but you're a content creator. And it's not necessarily songs. It it can be many, 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 many other things. Yes. And, uh, but it's a fascinating. Just seeing those numbers. And again, you know, when you're talking about the amateur individual creators, uh, you know, it's approaching fifty million. People. That's a lot. That's, but these are people that are monetizing content creation part time. Um, so there's a lot of them out there, a lot yeah. of us out there, yeah. And uh, fun to see the numbers and just kind of really get a, a handle on the universe and and really and where the money is coming from. As you said, you know it, it's 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 the 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 gorilla in all of this is YouTube for sure, yeah. Although it, it's interesting because the the, the the and they actually show a little graphic in the professional creators, YouTube is half, but when you look at the amateur creators, it's over it's. It's overwhelmingly Instagram. Yeah. So, But but you know what's missing from this um, is TikTok.
1: Um, Yeah, you're right. There's so many influencers. Um, There's a company we work with called Songfluencer. Um, Johnny Cloherty runs his company. And they work with influencers on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And they're big brands that are using these influencers. And, you know, we've done it. You know we've had our music placed in some of these influencers um, videos on TikTok, but I know for a fact there's a ton of revenue being made uh, from yeah. TikTok as well, so I'm not sure why that's not a part of this, but you know what was really uh interesting was that graph that you just mentioned, yeah, overwhelmingly Instagram, but still two point seven million uh, amateurs making revenue on Twitch.
0: yeah. 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 Very, very encouraging, very exciting and an ever changing landscape. By the way, I don't know if I
1: ever told you this, but I I really dig this new artist. Well, it's not that new artist. Uh, He goes by uh, Jay Gregory. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's J G R G R Y Jay Gregory. Um, His name is Joe Gregory and he's been signed by majors. He's done the dance, but if you go visit him on Spotify there's a, a song that says, visit me on Twitch. He, he pulled uh-huh. the music's not on Twitch and you and I covered a really cool article by Will page a while back called Twitch is rockonomics. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at all these artists that are starting to develop these large followings and getting sync licensing. And uh-huh. I, i I watch Jay Gregory's Twitch um, shows um, at least one a week. And right now he's, writing and you're watching him write and compose and record a track. Talk about seeing how the sausage is made. Oh uh, yeah. And his his crowd, you know, they're all in the live stream there and they're all talking to each other and gifting uh-huh. each other subscriptions and things like that. It's it's a community and yeah. it's really special. So, I don't want to make this the the Twitch episode, but I will say that if you haven't checked out Twitch for music, it's not just about gaming and podcasts and making candles, it's it's a
0: robust uh, music platform. Yeah. Well, Jay, and it's time to wrap up. We It's time for us to go be pampered on Father's Day. Yeah. God. Yeah. Let's go Let's go do that. Did do one, some. of course, thanks our friends at HypeBot and Bands in Town yeah. for helping us put the show together. Could not do it without them. So yeah. a thousand thanks to those great folks over there. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, well, go over there to yourmorning.coffee and subscribe to the newsletter for crying out loud. Cause, Look like at I you said, rattling sh- off that URL, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waking up, Jay. I'm just waking up. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh thanks for everyone for tuning in, boy. We you know, there's a there's a couple other podcasts out there and uh we sure appreciate we sure uh, do. you lending your ears to us to check us out. So we greatly appreciate yes, it. Yes, we so do. Thanks for Thank listening. You. And uh, we're going to be back next week with episode number 46. So for Jay Gilbert and myself, thanks for listening to this week's episode number 45 of the Your Morning Coffee podcast. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening.
2: You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business, Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.